The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Ah, uh, that's right. Welcome back, everyone, to The Fix. I'm your host, Ryan Rothstein, on a Monday. And like the man said, make sure you are subscribed to the Jacob Media YouTube channel, J-A-K-I-B Media, to stay up to date on all the content we're putting out there and so you don't miss a beat from our NFL Eagles insider, Johnny Mack. John McMullen joins us nightly at 7.30. Uh, so let's bring John into the conversation now. Make sure you give him a follow on Twitter, at JFMcMullen, phillyvoice.com, and si.com is where you can find all of John's written work. You can listen to him daily on Birds 365 alongside Jody Mack from 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. That's Monday to Friday on the Jacob Media YouTube channel and Philly Voice, extending the play. Uh, John's everywhere, so let's bring John into the fold now. Johnny Mack, how we doing, my friend? Doing well. Well done, Ronnie. Do we have time to talk about anything else? No, that's about it, man. That's about it. <laughs> we see you tomorrow. Yeah, we, good night, everybody. We covered all the important <laughs> stuff. Um all right, man. So I, I guess we have to get into the latest mock drafts here. No, th- there's plenty of, uh, <laughs> there's plenty happening with the with the t-shirt and shorts Hall of Fame. Um, why don't you just give the listeners an up to date synopsis of everything going on as it relates to the NFL draft, and then of course, um, you know, Philadelphia Eagles geared. Obviously, what's the latest around the team and what they're going to do at twelve. Yeah, it is interesting. It's been such a strange year because uh, we, we've mentioned, and if you think about even from last year, we had uh, Jordan Reed from the Draft Network on, on Birds 365, and he pointed out, look, when the pandemic kind of hit last year, it was at the end, at the tail end of the draft process. Um, so in a lot of ways, this year's the first year where – scouts and personnel people haven't had the the typical access that they've normally had throughout the process in years past uh, and it's just a lot of uncertainty and you know I obviously the high profile guys are the quarterbacks some people think this is a an historic class Gil Brandt we had a, a conference call with him today um he has mentioned it's a historic class. I've heard from three different people over the last week at the quarterback position. Um, and, and guys are jockeying. And, and, and Justin Fields and, and Trey Lance, the latest today, at his second pro game, <laughs> trying to convince these teams at the top of the draft that they should be the guy. I mean, it's pretty clear when I say they should be the guy. I mean, obviously Trevor Lawrence is going number one. 
Zach Wilson is going number two. So it all starts at number three. And a lot of people think the 49ers are kind of locked in on Mac Jones. And if that's the case, then it really starts at number four. And whether it's Atlanta taking it as the heir apparent to Matt Ryan or somebody trading up to get a Justin Fields or a Trey Lance, it's interesting. But, you know, the one thing that kind of clicked to me, and I put it on Twitter, I got a lot of engagement, is, you know, if these people are right, if people like Gil Brandt are right, and this is an historic draft at the quarterback position, everybody mentions 1983, Dan Marino, Jim Kelly, so forth and so on, six number one picks. Everybody goes back to that. Um, you know, if you're the Eagles and you're playing this game and saying, well, we want to see what, what Jalen Hurts has, uh, but we have all these options now, optionality, as we say it in Sixers land, uh, if it doesn't work out, that's great. That's fine. That makes sense on paper. But if this is really the historic draft at the quarterback position, isn't this the year you want to be going all out to get the quarterback? I, I, I keep going back to that. And that's where – I think it's hard for me, at least, I'll just speak for myself, to decipher between, okay, is this year the legitimate year of the quarterback for the NFL draft, or do we just get more and more obsessed as a society and even a a media group overall that covers it and talks about it, that it just gets bigger and bigger and blown out of proportion each and every year? Like, how do we decipher between okay this year because there's potentially four straight getting selected five in the first round five in the first 10 whatever it may be that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a an all-time quarterback draft obvious statement but you get what i'm saying no i do and i i i've kind of said you know i lean towards hyperbole more than anything else typically because that's the way let's be honest that's the way it usually is people overblown things but these are not, you know, Bob's draft sites. You know, these are these are people like Gil Brandt and 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 you know, uh, Daniel Jeremiah and and so forth and guys who are plugged in in Gil's case for you know over fifty years. Uh, it's been around. Nobody knows more about the NFL draft than Gil Brandt. And oh, by the way, he said on the same call that it's. You know, the defensive tackles, the interior defensive line is just about the worst he's ever seen. So, in other words, he's not pumping up everybody. Like, you see some of these draft people, they pump up everybody. Everybody's great. Everybody's the next superstar. He's willing to say, look, this defensive tackle group outside of Christian Barmore stinks, essentially. And he's saying the quarterbacks are historic. I don't know. It makes you think. (laughs) You know, he... My my point, I guess my point is, there's no guarantee that any of these people, even even Trevor Lawrence, and how he described Trevor Lawrence as John Elway as an athlete, and and Peyton Manning, Manning from an accuracy accuracy standpoint. So that's pretty good, but obviously that's number one overall. There's no guarantee Trey Lance or Justin Fields or Mac Jones are going to be star quarterbacks. But I do know he's not going to be saying this about the quarterback group next year. So there's always uh, so much is dependent on scheme and coaching. 
you know, where are these quarterbacks going to land? I always go back to 1999 and Donovan McNabb. Who's to say Tim Couch wouldn't have been a superstar if he landed with Andy Reid and vice versa? Um, so much of that has to do with quarterbacks succeeding uh, and, and, and failing. So, I, I mean, yeah, there's, you could pretty much guarantee all these quarterbacks aren't going to be great. Uh, and some of it is just going to be where they land and poor coaching, whether it's an Adam Gase type level that destroyed a Sam Darnold at least early in his career. All that can happen. But I guess the point is these are better prospects than you're going to get next year. Not that you're not going to talk yourself into Sam Howell or somebody like that next year, but you're not going to have these types of prospects next year. I think that part of it is fair to say. So how that relates to the Eagles, and and, and I'll throw this out there. Let's pretend, and this is a big uh, pretend, <laughs> let's pretend the Eagles don't have Jalen Hurts right now on the roster. They're not trading out of six, right? If anything, they're going to get one of these guys, and then I'm going to do a follow-up there. There's there's a method to this madness with this question, but if they don't have Jalen Hurts, what are the Eagles doing uh, in this draft differently than what they've already done? No, well, that that I guess is my point, and my point is if and you know it's too late now that you traded down, but my my point is you started at six, so you were in a position uh, to go up and get one of these guys. Now, it is pretty evident that the Eagles liked Zach Wilson, and they saw kind of uh, a firewall. They weren't able to get him. So maybe they just don't like the rest of the quarterbacks, uh, which would be three, four, and five. And, again, we put Trevor Lawrence aside because nobody had an opportunity to opportunity to get him um so i mean everything's about evaluation if they didn't feel those guys were worthy okay uh, but you know i i i just can't shake the feeling that if you're at six that's that's you're at six in a historic quarterback draft that's the time to seize the moment that, that's the time to seize the moment. That's not the time to say, oh, let's see what the second-round pick from last year has, and let's hope and cross our fingers that uh, Sam Howell or somebody like that develops next year. No, and that's always been – and then the second part of this, that's always been how Howie Roseman has described it. If you're up at the top of the draft, you got to seize that moment when it comes to quarterbacks. Um I would think that only becomes elevated if the top of the draft is better at quarterback than it usually is. But for whatever reason, I guess that's the point I'm trying to say. Why Why has the Eagles thinking changed in that regard? Because I, I find it hard to believe that so many other people in this league love these quarterbacks and the Eagles don't. Now, it's possible but I find it very hard to believe. So then you have to start thinking, well, is it Jeffrey Lurie? Um, are they really obsessed with getting a veteran, whether that's Russell Wilson down the line or 
Deshaun Watson or even Aaron Rodgers. Maybe maybe that's their plan. But it, it is strange considering this team's history and considering this franchise's uh, past and, and what they've always claimed. That's the reason. I, I mean, think about it, Ryan. That's the reason they took Jalen Hurts at 53 as a backup quarterback. Because they said at the time, if you'll remember Howie Roseman saying, we believe backup quarterback, backup quarterback is a top 10 position in this league. Backup quarterback. So if you have an opportunity to get the superstar, as they thought, and they did for a while with Carson Wentz, but the shelf life wasn't what everyone expected. Uh, I don't know. Did they just feel burned? I, I, I can't explain it. So, I, I mean, it's a little bit strange to me. And I, when I keep hearing it, and I've heard so many people say it over the past week, I, I don't get what the Eagles are thinking. No, and that's that's the point I was getting at too, because I knew you were you were getting to that as well. And and you've brought up in the past, like the Eagles aren't sold on Jalen Hurts; they're not necessarily sure in what they have yet. So, with that thinking, why aren't they going after one of these guys now? You can pose the question: What's more of a gamble? Kick the can down the road with Jalen Hurts, so to speak, or going for it with one of these quarterbacks and hoping it pans out? I think both you can argue that have equal risks to it. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I would say going with Jalen Hurts has more of a risk than, than going with a, a top five or or six pick if you can get it at the quarterback. And there's no guarantee the Eagles could have gotten one of those top four quarterbacks at number six. So that's a problem. They'd have to give up assets likely to get in a position to move up even further uh, to get a quarterback they do need to build it so many other positions so that's part of it but as we all know if you get the quarterback the other stuff tends to fall into place a lot easier so the one thing that isn't a gamble really is if you get a veteran quarterback now the shelf life might not be what you want especially you know as you get to Russell Wilson at his age and even more so Aaron Rodgers at his age but you know those guys are good. You know those guys are superstars. So if that's the plan, I, you know I guess that's that's safer for a shorter period, um, shorter period of time. But it, it's hard to it's hard to under, understand the strategy um, in this particular year. I, if it were a typical year, I would understand it completely. But it's really hard to understand it in, in this year um, because it is. And, again, it's everything's a little bit hyperbole. Everything's a little bit – everybody's a little bit great. Everybody says everybody's great, as I always say and, and joke about. But there is something different. It, people acting like this happens every year with talent evaluators in this league, I, it doesn't. It doesn't. Did they push up Carson Wentz and Jared Goff? Yes. Did they push up Marcus Mariota and James Winston? Yes. Um, did that work out long-term? It worked out short-term for the Eagles and the Rams. didn't work out long-term. 
Uh, it didn't work out with Winston and Mariota. But remember, you're talking about two quarterbacks. You're not talking about five quarterbacks and potentially six if one of the other guys goes. There's people talking about Kellen Mond going in the first round of this draft, late in the first round, obviously. Um, there could potentially be six, you know, for the first time since 83. So this, this is a little bit different. So knowing what we know with this being a potentially historic type of draft from the quarterback position, knowing what we know with the Eagles' philosophy and history, what they have now on their roster, we would have to assume and hope optimistically that their real main objective with what they've done so far is what you've said a few times already, going after a veteran quarterback next offseason. That's the only thing that can really make sense of all of this, correct? Yeah, to me, it's the only thing that makes sense. Um, and, I, you know, I've always said Russell Wilson is the one guy. I mean, they can't shake him. <laughs> that This organization has been talking about him for years. And, um, you know, they wanted him so bad in the draft. They were ready to take him. And Seattle jumped up one spot in front of him. Uh, very similar to what happened to him in, in 2017 with Dalvin Cook. They talked about that a lot as well. Uh, they were ready to take him, and Minnesota jumped up. Um, if they can't seem to shake it, I call them the white whale of this organization. Now, part of that, though, is, you know, with all due respect to Andy Reid and Doug Peterson, and they clearly liked him, and they clearly wanted him on this team. But he wants a third-round pick. I mean, if you loved him that much, take him in the second round. And in hindsight, if you took him in the first round, people would have ripped you, but it, it would have worked out for you. It, it certainly would have made you look good. So I, when I say hyperbole, that to me is a little bit of hyperbole. If you really like the kid that much, just take him way earlier. You don't got to wait for the 775 to take him. Um, so that part is, is that kind of, uh, you know, embellishment. I, I always talk about the NFL, uh, and look, as I said, some of these young quarterbacks are not going to develop. We know that we see it every year, but there's a reason for the first time in NFL history, you and I have talked about this, Ryan. One, two, three, it's happened twice. It might be one, two, three, four. At quarterback, 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 quarterback in the first round. It's never happened before. Now, you can talk about NFL teams being quarterback desperate. You know, the best players in the draft are usually positional players, and I would say that's the case this year with Penny Sewell and Jamar Chase and Kyle Pitts, but you understand the value of the position. Hey, if if you hit a quarterback, it's a lot better than hitting a tight end. Yeah, I would say so. Uh, we're talking with John McMullen, our NFL Eagles insider. Follow John on Twitter at jfmcmullen. si.com, phillyvoice.com is where you can find all of John's written work. And you have a new article out today, John, on Philly Voice. Talking about Jeffrey Lurie and his evolution, and it's titled Jeffrey Lurie's Press Pause on His Own Evolution. And I know you spoke with Jaws, Ron Jaworski, 
Uh, and he had some interesting comments defending Jeffrey Lurie. And I think, you know, we obviously have to take that a little bit with a grain of salt. Um, but he, to paraphrase it, he said it's um, a negative perception from people. It's it's overblown. Uh Defending Lori, basically. I'll, I'll leave it at that. What was your thoughts when you spoke with him uh, on Birds 365, I believe? Yeah, well, I mean, Ron is still very close to the organization. He was on the committee that interviewed Doug Peterson and, and hired Doug Peterson. So uh, he remains. Uh, and remember, he was an owner himself, granted, at a much lesser level with the Philadelphia Soul and then even Atlantic City with arena football. So uh, he, he's been an owner, understands it, again, at a much lower level. but And he's been involved with the high-profile decisions. Uh, he claims Jeffrey Laurie is essentially what Jeffrey Laurie claims to be, and that's a guy who asks a lot of questions, uh, wants opinions from every side uh, of the organization wants everybody chiming in. Um, so, okay, I'll, I'll take them at their word. That's what they claim. And, and you know, I still have a problem with that because even if you have the best intentions, it's clearly not working out, as you can see from the recent athletic story and the backlighting between the scouting and the analytics department, the fact that, you know, Howie Roseman is trying to look at people's phones to see who's linking, leaking information or reporters. I mean, it's not working. So if it's not working, and this is what Jeffrey Lowry always claims, you got to stay five years ahead of being five years ahead. That's his framework. Well, why not make an adjustment? And, and my adjustment is, and I compared it to, Doug Peterson's offense over the past couple of years. You know, we went through this every year, Ryan. Every year the offense would be disappointing post-Super Bowl. And then the Eagles would simplify it late in the season, and it would look better consistently every single time. So, you know, and fans would say, and rightfully so, by the way, they would ask the question, why, why don't you just make it that simple and have the better offense? And it's a legitimate question. So that's why I said with Jeffrey Lurie, instead of having this, you know, layer upon layer upon layer uh, where nobody knows who's in charge, everybody's chiming in, you create more more problems. You have to solve more problems before you get to the actual equation. And the equation is the draft pick. So you got to put out 14 fires between different people, different departments backbiting each other uh, before you even get to the decision on who you're going to draft. And it doesn't make any sense. So, you know, it, it's it's pretty easy how to fix this. And that's the traditional setup. You have the analytics department and the scouting department, and they make their recommendations to the general manager, and the general manager makes the pick. Now, I know people aren't going to be happy with that because, uh, they don't like Howie Roseman, but at least if, if that's the way you do it, and again, the owner can't even put his thumb on the scale as he's done in the past. If that's the way you do it, you can at least place blame, and if it doesn't work out, you move on, 
and you hire different people. And essentially, for all the descending Ron Jaworski did, at the very end, he said that. If you hire people, let the people do their jobs. And if they don't do their jobs to the satisfaction, then you hire somebody else. It's pretty simple. Yeah, that, that that's exactly what I was going to say. It sounds simple. It sounds easy, but um, it never seems to come off that way. It seems to come off much more complicated when talking anything Philadelphia Eagles and how they go about building this roster or lack thereof uh, and everything else that, that comes with it in the offseason from draft to free agency, uh, managing people, etc. cetera. Uh, John, all right, to, to wrap up this conversation tonight, obviously you mentioned Trey Lance with his pro day. Why, why Trey Lance over Mac Jones and then vice versa? Like what, what would be the reason that Trey Lance ends up going ahead of Mac Jones? And obviously it's all situational, um, depending on the on the scheme and the and where they end up and you detailed some of that earlier as well but what would be the difference between the two yeah i would say clearly uh trey lansing you would have to throw justin fields in there as well i mean if you're talking uh about just uh physical attributes physical traits uh as far as being able uh to throw the football uh trey lance probably has the strongest arm in this class uh even uh higher than Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, anybody. Um, uh, Obviously, the athleticism, when you're talking about Mac Jones, um, you're talking about accuracy, uh, and you're thinking about three in the San Francisco 49ers, and you're thinking about Kyle Shanahan and what he wants, and he wants play action. He's always wanted Kirk Cousins back. He wants that type of, of accurate thrower so that's why i think a lot of people are are veering towards the 49ers taking mac jones but that could also be sort of smoke screen because they want somebody else um that's sort of what happens uh during silly season so uh a lot of people think this draft starts at number four with the falcons and what they're going to do whether it's take a quarterback take a position player or, or trade out I think it starts at three because I I could see the 49ers taking any of them. Mac Jones, Justin Fields, Trey Lance. I mean, I really can see that because I think, and Kyle Shanahan has said this as well. Um, You know, he, he, if you go back to Robert Griffin, the third rookie season, when he was spectacular, that was Kyle Shanahan's offense. Uh, You know, uh, his father was there as well, but that was his offense. So he, he can work with different style quarterbacks. But also that also brings up a little bit of a red flag and why I think he might want Mac Jones is because as good as RG3 was that year, what happened in the playoffs? He got hurt and he was never the same. So if you look at the modern NFL and certainly people really want off-schedule offense, really want that ability to, uh, to do something out of scheme and uh, to extend plays and all that kind of stuff. Look at the guys who are playing into their 40s, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, close to his 40s, Phillip Rivers. It, it isn't the RG3s of the world. I mean, you can't play that way for 20 years. So... Shelf life, I think, is a big part of it. 
John McMullen, ladies and gents, every night at 7.30 right here on The Fix on AM 1490 Sports Betting Radio. We'll do it again tomorrow with Johnny Mack. We'll get more into the Eagles' plans uh, ever-evolving with the 12th overall pick in the upcoming NFL draft. Johnny Mack, thanks, my friend. Uh, There he is, John McMullen. All right, let's get to a break. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.